wager attack, exclusive member sports book, poker, race book, and online live casino open 24-7. Receive big payouts digitally and direct to your account even Bitcoin. Sign up by contacting us on Twitter or Instagram at wagerattack. Always stay updated because you never know what kind of packages or deals we may give away. Remember, this is for exclusive members. Also, check us out at www.wagerattack.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pretty Lies and Ugly Truths, where you can either die with a lie or... The truth will set you free. And I am the Alex E. Miller, and that lovely voice of reason you just heard was... Toya the Truth. All right. And as we always do here on Pretty Lies and Ugly Truths, we allow the guests to introduce themselves. So, you know, you treat it like first day of school, first day on the job. You know, tell us everything that, you know, we don't know, we need to know, what we should know. And without further ado, dun, hey. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm Brianne Davis Gant. Um, I am an actress and an author and a director, and I have a podcast called Secret Life, and I have a book coming out called Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. So, okay. hello. <laughs> nice, nice to meet you. So, um, I like that. We can get right into it. Yeah. Um, as far as as far as that book, um, mm-hmm. how do you describe it to people? You know, when people say, "Hey, I heard you're coming out with a book." Okay. What's your What's your? I mean, I guess it's not the elevator pitch, you know. But well, it's just I kind of kind of is the elevator pitch. I mean, I would say it's a Roma Clef fiction. It's based on my life, but it also I gave myself leeway to you know go into fantasy and you know the character i i actually changed her name and her name's roxanne after the police song roxanne you don't have to put on the red light kind of situation and i go into the first year of sobriety and sex and love addiction it's a disease people don't talk about especially women we're really you know a woman doesn't want to say hey i'm a sex and love addict it's look it's looked at as Ooh, that's hot. And my thing is what I love to say is it's not hot to use someone else to fill you, like to fill your needs, right. to use people, you know? So mm-hmm. that would be my elevator pitch is just, you know, going through this young actress. She's about to turn 30 and her life is bottoming out and we see her crawling her way out with all the ugly dirtiness mm-hmm. that comes with that. Now, when you say fantasy in it too, like, and you, and you also say, but it is of your life. What, at what point of it is it like fantasy? Cause this is you, but then there's, you, you actually made like a whole story though with it. And that's, that's pretty cool. So I want to hear how you did that. Well, and, and the first thing I say is these, a lot of these are my stories, but you'll never know which one is true. Okay. So I let the audience try <laughs> right. to guess the people. Right. I change all the names. I change a lot of the location. The yeah. timeline is kind of all messed up. So no one can actually see what story is real and what story is in my imagination. Interesting. And, yeah. And I wanted to give myself the leeway of that because I felt like if I was doing a memoir, it just didn't feel right. I started writing it as a memoir, but I just said, this is not like feeling comfortable. And it's maybe giving me a little distance, you know, where I don't have to completely say, this is me. It's just like, this is someone similar to me and this is what it's like. Right. And you know how, you know, how are we are as humans and people, you say that like, this is my story. That's your story. 
And they're yeah. going to just go with that. Every time they look at you, it's that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? They think of you, it's that. So I, I think that's so cool because I've never really even heard of anybody twisting it around like that and, and making it that way. So that is so cool. That's really dope. Like it probably make it a lot easier for people to follow suit, right? Like um, yeah. the well, movie Best Man, the, it was uh, the character they had Tate Dix play. You know, he wrote a book, you know, and it was loosely based on a lot of personal relationships and he switched the names around. Right. But you doing this in, in real life yeah. and, and being so open about it is probably going to help so many other people figure out, you know, you know what, this is a this is a side door I can go through just to kind of, you know, get this off my chest. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, it was really in a chance. I what happened is I I wrote the book pretty much my husband dared me to write it because he was like, (laughs) you're a writer, you're a writer. And I'm like, I am I am dyslexic. I am not a writer. I'm an actor. That's all I want to be. And he kept bothering me. And I'm like, fine, like, leave me alone. Okay, I'll start writing it. And it just flew out of me. In 45 days. It was crazy. Yeah. It was like bigger than me. Like it was God was like just using me to get this story out. And I just gave me chills. I'm like wondering like how much because he pushed you to do it. So how much did you realize like I was supposed to do this? Like, yeah, that's what he knew. Like for God, you say Mm -hmm. for God to use you. Yeah, I can only imagine that. He probably used your husband and was like nudging him, you know what I'm saying? To to make that's that's how he became the husband. <laughs> and, spe- and speaking on that, right? Because you, y'all would, y'all have been together, if I'm not mistaken, 15 years, even more yeah. than that, right? And, and almost spoke, 16, yeah. Almost 16. You spoke mm-hmm. of it not being like the most fairy tale relationship, and yeah, and that's I, something where I think it was five years into your marriage that you decided to to go into to therapy. Yeah. So what had, happened? The first nine months, you said you even had like withdrawal. That's a lot. Dude, it is so intense. I mean, at our like four or five years, I realized like, here's this man that I love that is a really good person and he's my best friend. And if I wasn't with him, I would want to be his friend. And Mm. I found myself intriguing with other people that I didn't even like as people. Like I wouldn't even like be friends with like, they're like shitty people. Yeah. And it just... it hit me like, am I going to be doing this the rest of my life? It can't Mm. always be the other person. Something in me is missing that I keep like wanting to use people to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was this beautiful moment. I was at therapy and my therapist looked at me and she said, I'm sorry, but I have to tell you this. And I've been thinking it like you're a sex and love addict. And I was like, Oh, what? Like, no, I'm not like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. And she, um, she told me I need to go to meetings. LA is the biggest area for meetings. And I called my then boyfriend, now husband on the way home on the 101 in traffic. And I was like, I am a sex and love addict, like hysterically crying. And when I got home to our place, he highlighted every meeting like I could go to here. And the beautiful thing is like, uh, my God, he was already in a 12 step program. He had 20 years of sobriety. He got sober really young and he, Mm -hmm. my God gave me someone that understood that it's an addiction. It doesn't have to do with him. It doesn't make him less of a man. And my withdrawal was brutal y'all. Like it was nine months crying every day. Mm -hmm. We didn't have sex for a year. Because I realized every time I tried, I didn't have myself to give to someone else. It was just Mm. like, 
it was an addiction. Like I was addicted to the release, but not the connection. And it was like, for me, it's easier for me to, you know, it's hard for me to be intimate with someone I love. So connecting sex and intimacy, I didn't know how to do it. I was like, if I love you, I don't want to have sex with you. That's not hot. That's not dirty. That's not like exciting. There's not like Mm -hmm. adrenaline. And so Mm -hmm. it was like, I had to learn how to connect those two things. And sex is just a small part of a relationship. It's not the whole relationship. No. So how, okay. So you, I've heard you say if someone is, is with a sex or love addict, they got to understand that regardless of how perfect that they are, Mm -hmm. there will never be enough for that person. Right. So is it, I almost want to say, how is your husband enough for you? But as I'm hearing, it's kind of more, is it that you guess, you got to be enough for yourself. It's not so much. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, everybody, yeah, Yeah. everybody that comes in and I have to say when I started 11 years ago, there was, it was a smaller group, but now it's like hundreds and hundreds of people all over the world. Like I was on a meeting and there's like 500 people on the meeting and I, there's meetings in London and Bali and all over the world. It's like this thing now that's like getting bigger and bigger and Everybody that comes in realizes it doesn't have to do with the other person. It has to do with the lack of self-love. And the whole point of Sex and Love Addicts, the 12-step program, is finding your own self-love. Like my husband could leave me, guys. Like, And I would be okay. I would be sad and upset. But he doesn't complete me. Right, right. I, I, I mean, Jerry Maguire, you complete me. You know what I'm saying? They no, you do not complete me. You are not my soulmate. <laughs> right. There is nobody that's my soulmate, and no one can complete me. That's too impossible of a task. Yeah, it is too much to put on other people, you know. But I, for for me and you, um, because you know, I I would like to share that I have felt like I am. A sex addiction. Well, I I had a sex addiction. Um, I went through. Welcome a, to the club. <laughs> right, and and I actually my ex husband um uh realized he had before I realized myself um that he had a sex addiction and he tried therapy and everything and it did not work and it did end up in a failed marriage of course but we obviously needed to go our separate w- ways to find who we were yeah um so I can really I really do I can un- just listening to you I can definitely understand mine is a little bit more different than yours like and I found different reasonings too as well on how it created and stuff like that just like it was, you know, there's only a few people I've confided in certain things recently. This mm-hmm. has actually been more like new founding mm-hmm. that like to admit what, you know, what was going on and all that other stuff. But the weird thing for me is that nobody did know is that, and I couldn't understand. And I'm, and this is pretty deep for me to say, but I, I just want to just be all the way honest. That's the type of person I am. You know, it started childhood, what I went through being molested. Yeah. And that is so hard to say like how did that create me to like it more and that's where I had a hard time at first to understand first of all I had to like finally admit it yeah and like understand like how something so traumatic as a child could cause me as an adult to actually like that act you know so and then also uh, other things down the line but I just wanted to say like I said for myself and you because I don't want you to be on here like you're by yourself like (laughs) and they you know my co-workers no co-hosts no you know we've I've confided in them they know and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so you know 
I definitely understand for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like when we're traumatized, when we're used at a young age, we can't connect the reality of it. And a part of us is stunted at that age. Mm -hmm. So then when we go into where we are sexual, like we use it for power, we use it for control over our own bodies. We're like, if we're going to do it, I want control over it. Or we think we're worthless. So we give ourselves to people that are unavailable. So I understand. And a lot of sex and love addicts have come from traumatic backgrounds. Yeah. So, so, I mean, now, since, you know, y'all are opening up and, and, and shedding light, I, I guess I, I might as well do the same. So me, I, I feel within the last six months to a year ago, I discovered I myself have a love addiction. And it's something uh, I spoke with my significant other about. And I was telling her, I feel like it stems from my childhood. And mm-hmm. it's because my mom, my mom loves me with all her heart. Don't get me don't get that wrong at all. But her and I have two completely different love languages. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, and that's something they even have like a love language book out, even if somebody's in management about how you should, you know, communicate with your employees. Right. So yeah. I think it should be one where when it comes to parenting, we should almost know the love language that our parents have or our parents, you know, the ones that we have, because with me, it's all about like time and attention, everything like that. And my mother, a lot of it is about like gifts. You know what I'm saying? And she's thinking, well, hey, long as I can provide. And especially a lot of people in our community, it's kind of like, well, what else you want? You know, we, you got everything that you we think you, you could ask for. Right. And that being said, it led to me infidelity. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Almost like overbearing, being too much to where it's like, you know, my girl having to be like my lady and like my mom at the same time sometimes. And that can yeah. be a lot. And it can ruin for a man like me, like I'm, I'm very in touch with my feminist side. It can ruin my relationship with, with females, like female friends of mine to where it's like, man, like maybe I'm overstepping the boundaries or allowing somebody else to overset the boundaries of the friendship, not gauging. Like the reason I'm doing this is because I'm trying to fill a hole that I need to fill myself. It was never on my mom to feel or my girl to feel. It was on something for me to feel myself. Yeah. And it's like, and, and the whole point of the program and really looking at the shit you do to other people and yourself is that we don't have boundaries. We don't know proper boundaries. Our parents did the best they could, but they probably didn't, you know, have boundaries. There was this really great book that I read that really helped me. It's about emotional incest with parents and like Mm -hmm. how they show up in ways that aren't good for children. And it it carries on to like down the relationship. And I feel like, you know, it's just now we're all opening up and being vulnerable and being like, dude, I've done some shitty things, Mm -hmm. but I'm not that person. And that's okay. And that's Mm -hmm. what my show is about. And that's why coming on here is so important to me is like, I've done some bad things. You've done some bad things. You've done some bad things, but that doesn't make us bad people. Yeah. I I feel, I feel like we in like a therapy class, like on camera. Right. (laughs) Like, and that's, that's the point of us creating this show because It's not about drama or gossip. I wanted to really like let us have an area and a space where we can just be the real humans we are. Yeah. Not social media, not the pictures, not the whatever. The just filtered. Yeah. We're all like so really much more connected than we think. Mm-hmm. And no matter 
amount of money we have or don't have, we're, we all really come from a lot of the same things and mm. dealt with a lot of similar tra- traumas and trauma is trauma anyways to Thanks. me. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't, you know, compare and, oh, well, well how bad what, you know, so this is where that's my point of this, like mm. for us to just be ourselves and like whatever our own truth is, because we're really just like, I, like the crazy stuff that they consider crazy is the normal <laughs> to me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they have literally trained us to think like certain things like no, but when you like ask every like all how does all of us have we come out on one show and like, yeah, well, yeah, I got the same problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. people well, are gonna watch this and gonna have the same problem too, you know? And well, that's the point. We, we're like looking for all- kinder spirits. Yes. And, and I yeah. feel like we all want the same thing. Everybody on this planet wants to be loved. They don't want to be abandoned and they're fear yeah. and they feel worthless, like at yeah. the core. And that's what, you know, sex and love addiction and all this stuff looks at. Like, am I okay with just who I am without any outside thing fixing me? Mm-hmm. And that's the base of it. I mean, mm-hmm. if I could tell you anything, like if you're struggling right now and you're listening and you're addicted to unavailable people are using sex and power, like my yeah. whole thing was power. I want power over a man. I don't want a man to have power over me. I yeah. want to, you know, call the shots and that's not a real partnership. So mm-hmm. if you're listening and you're struggling and you're cheating or you're intriguing or you're flirting or you're DMing or you're swiping right, left, right, yeah. like there is a way out of that insanity because it's insane. Yeah. See, and if I could do did- it on my own. I haven't gone to any Ooh. therapy. I haven't um really been able to really talk to people. You know, I tell people, but like you said, you tell someone and most of the time they're like, I like that. Like, no, it's not like that. You know it's what I mean? Hot. Like, don't like yeah. it actually is horrible. Yeah. But um, like for me, I had to really like, I think my journey started anyways when I became really sick and I turned vegan. And that was like showing love to myself for the first time because I like basically had to choose not to die because I yeah. was really, really sick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you make that choice. You learn that, oh, I actually love me in a sense. It's self-care. Without- thinking about it that was the choice I love me and I want to be here so I love my kids too but I love I want to be alive but your kids can't fix you or save you that's that's why I I didn't even I don't even want to stick on that because Mm -hmm. to me like and I'm a mother of four daughters so and I still had to understand I've grown out of even that like where my attachment is I live for my kids no I want to live no I I like me now but like I said, that was the beginning of my journey and the beginning choices of where I started to like myself. So then I'm literally teaching myself how to like me and love me without me even knowing it. So that's how my own therapy began. Re-raising yourself. Got to a point where yeah. I can look at stuff, look at, you know, the people I'm choosing and what I'm doing. And I'm like, I'm ill. I don't like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, like, I've been doing that shit, like, you know, and choosing, like, no, I like me and I don't need to feel that way and, you know, call somebody up and whatever, like, you know, so I, but I had to go through it. And I, I mean, I remember getting on my knees crying, praying. Oh, yeah. To, oh, the times I've gotten on my knees and being like, please god take it take, take it like take this pain like demon. take it out okay like literally like <laughs> no seriously like and that and that when i and that was more that was this year when i yeah, it's t- when you hit like, your knees and you just like surrender and you're powerless yeah. and you 
turn it over to something bigger than you. But I did have this quote and I know, but it's on my computer. It says to love oneself is the beginning of a lifelong romance. And I always say like Mm. to love yourself, like you live and die with only you, like you are going to die with yourself. So you might as well like love yourself completely. Seriously. You had had a quote that um, (laughs) I I, I like, I heard you, uh, Mitch, I don't know if it was from you or somewhere else where you said um, religion is people who are scared to go to hell and spirituality is people who have already been through it. Right. Yes. And then he was also saying you admitted which a lot of people I think feel this way, but they never say it. You've admitted that you have been mad at God before. Oh, I if you, hated if you wouldn't God. Mind, however comfortable and however far yeah. you, you, you know, willing to go, just kind of like speak to that. Yeah. You know, what made you feel so comfortable? Because that's real. That and, and that's where, real, though. That's a real thing. Because I just, at my core belief, didn't think a God was taking care of me. Now mm. on the other side, I see like all the stuff I did, all the pain, all, you know, growing up, all that actually protected me. My disease, my addiction protected me. But mm. I got to a place in my life where it, those things weren't working for me anymore. So mm. I turned to God and blamed God. Like, but God, you fucking did this to me. You did this, you did this. And it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't like drop that for the longest time. And finally I had this moment of like, I had this moment where I was walking and I felt like my hand, like as something slipped into my hand. And I I remember like closing my eyes and it felt, it was like my little kid, like your inner child. Mm -hmm. And I said out loud, like, you can come with me now. I'm going to take care of you. And it was such a God shot. And it was such Mm -hmm. a moment of peace. Like, I can take care of me. My God has me. And I have this prayer I say every night and I want to just say it because for me to even say this about God is like crazy because I didn't believe in God. I, I say, God, please let me align myself to your will. Let me see you come from infinite love, caring, support, and protection, good or bad in my eyes. Let me see that it comes from infinite love, care, and support. So anything bad happening in my life, anything good happening into my life, mm-hmm. it's God now. It's not me. Yeah. Like, it's like God's taking care of me because I used to believe and I'm the, this is the last thing I'm going to say is like anything good. I always did it like my ego, my narcissism, that self that's like, I made this happen. I'm like amazing. Yeah. Like, Agent God out. Who do I yeah, need if I'm the one that does completely. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So. And then if anything bad happened to me, I was like, it's your fault. You did this to me. You know, you dangled the carrot, then, you know, yanked it away. And it just came to a point is like, it, it has to be all like, I wonder all if that's is something because I always just I, I think a lot ha- like everything we do almost as an adult is something we didn't picked up along the line growing up. And I'm just wondering, like, if that was probably something you seen in your with your in your parents or how they discipline you know what I mean like where you can like if it's bad well it's you that's not me you know what I mean and just like found another way of like as an adult to blame something else you know what I mean instead of blaming because it's like we'll never we'll never learn accountability it's like where did we get that <laughs> you know what I mean 
I don't know. I think it's like having people in my life not take responsibility for their actions. Watching that. Uh, yeah. You know, and I'm that somewhere. Southern and I'm from the South and it's very religious. My parents weren't very religious, but I would watch people that in my community that they would go and be horrible people, right? Do horrible things and right. then think they could go to church on Sunday and be forgiven. Right, right, for right. Me, I was like, how is that okay? Like, right. you're just gonna. So I think it's like I had a really hard time with religion. Right, right, right. Instead of making it about a spirit, about something bigger than me, like I'm right. just a teeny little speck on this earth. And before I thought the world revolved around me, I was yeah. that selfish and self obsessed. Right. And now it's like, I don't, I. I am just a worker among workers. I am just yes. a human on this earth giving to others and not taking anymore. Right. And that's like the real flex for real. That's like, that's the real power within self. You know what I mean? Like to, to use that, like where it's not just being conceited and like egotistical. It's just like, no, I, I'm, I'm here to just be one with everybody else and do my work on earth. And yeah. that's really like, where it means the most for real. I think it's it's a lot of booby traps though. Like I'm not I'm not trying to make excuses. But it's, <laughs> it's a lot of booby traps in the world that make us irresponsible to make us do a lot of stuff that like I remember one time I'm set up for that. Speaking, speaking of like the love the love addiction thing, right? I remember I was telling one of my homeboys I'm like, you know, I've been I've been living right. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> and when I was speaking to that, he was like one time he was like it's cuz you ain't been nowhere. And I'm like, "Well, damn." You know what I'm saying? Like, I've been places, but he's just referring to my lifestyle is different. But I was kind of like, well, maybe that's what it takes. My lifestyle to be a little bit different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Think to myself, like, maybe it takes for me to not put myself in the environment of certain stimuli that I know, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. is not susceptible to me living the way that I need to. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? For, for me to be the highest version of myself as a, as a man. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Fulfilling what I need to in my career, my relationship. And what that takes me to is with you, you spoke of social media doing that to us. You spoke yes. of, you said- I'm big on you that. Took, you took a whole year, <laughs> like a year diet from social. I'm I ain't never heard nobody that. do no shit like that. So oh I was just, my if God. you mind, speak to what, what clicked in your brain to be like, you know what? I'm finna take That's a me. year off. <laughs> okay. Well, like? I honestly believe, and I know people are going to hate me for saying this, and mm -hmm. I even use social media for my job and stuff, right. but exactly. I feel like it's destroying this world. Like, absolutely. God, hands down, it <laughs> is so toxic. It's actually more addictive than drugs and alcohol. Like, at this point, yeah, it is yeah. so addicting. And it's the, our biggest drug. And the compare and despair that can come up for you. And it really hit me one day. I just had my son and I remember I was so happy and I got on Instagram and I like looked for probably a couple of minutes and I saw something and I don't even remember what it was, but it just, my entire mentality just was like less than like I just, and I shit all over that moment with my son and I'm like what am I doing like yeah. this means nothing this is all filter this is people's outside filter lives that are yeah. not real and I'm comparing not it real. yeah right so mm -hmm. 
I prompt, I said, you know, this is not healthy for me anymore. And I took mm-hmm. a year off and honest to God, it was the best year ever. Mm-hmm. I was at such serenity and peace. And the beautiful thing is now that I'm on it again, my husband and I have rules. We like barely yeah. go on it. We'll just go on to like check things. We have rules because it's just so toxic. It's that serious. And oh, I, don't it's so, the, and I, I, I don't care who believes it. I don't care. I do it for myself. Like just recently I had to, I started a Facebook when we started this because I yeah. hadn't had Facebook in four years Yeah, and, but I was still feeding myself through Instagram anyway. So I was still getting a dose of it no matter what. Yeah. But, um, I feel that though Facebook is the most toxic for me. So I got back on through this so we can do for promotion and it really wasn't doing anything for that. And I was actually seeing myself sink in to people's gossip and things yeah. and ways and to the point where now I want to post some crazy shit and I'm getting you know like just like not even really being myself because sometimes people are taking on so many energies and thinking that it's them and it's really not even that you know well it you just spreads know. bad information but I think the right. main thing that's so toxic it's a false sense of intimacy yeah. when you're on and you're getting likes it's like a dopamine hit like yes. how many likes and then you're interacting with people and there's no real intimacy it's like no. air it doesn't mean yeah. anything it's it no, there's no connection so, yeah. See, so i just think it's so toxic there's i, Gary, I, I gotta, had to get back off of it mind you i, just I got a shout out i couldn't uh, take it anymore i got a <laughs> shout out mr leo i call him pops you know what i'm saying he's like pretty much um a good friend of mine she's mm-hmm. This, he's her father and he's been in my life for you know approaching 20 years and he one time me and him were talking about it and mr leo told me people are desensitized mm-hmm. to a false sense of reality with social yeah. media and when he told me that i was like i remember i was like what does desensitize means and when he broke it down i'm like man okay i get it it's like what you comparing yourself mm-hmm. to you don't understand like they're producing their own content the same way TV has always produced content. So if yeah. we are producing it, we really, it's not fair for us to really compare ourselves to, to, to each other at all. And I think you said one time you had a friend of yours that made a post and you felt a certain way. And then ironically, that same friend reached out to you and just poured their heart out like, hey, and you like, man, you thinking they, they life is like Dang. so perfect. And then they called and confessed that. Hey, Literally five minutes later. Oh wow! Five minutes—that's like a that. god shot, right? Yeah. That's they like, needed it, but you needed it too, yeah. you know? Yeah, I mean, she reached out to me five minutes later and said like things were not good with her and her man. And t- you know, five minutes before, I saw this beautiful picture, beautiful house, beautiful blah blah blah. And all- put you in a like a way about yourself. Well, I hung up the phone with her after being of service and like helping her as much as I could. And I just looked up at the sky and started cracking up. I was like, okay, I hear you, God. Like, I get it. Like, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) But I do have to say, I did, you were asking me before about, you know, the social media and things, but also other things I had to take out of my life, which I think is really important. And I have to say it like, Mm -hmm. you know, intriguing and flirting and like the whole dm thing and i literally took all of that out of my life like i do not flirt i do not have any guy friends i do i'm not inappropriate no one flirts with me that stuff i realized also was so toxic because we get a hit yeah. Like mm-hmm. the flirting, right. it's not real. It's like air. Yeah. Right. You kind of got to throw, you got to like throttle yourself. 
Innocent. To speak on that, yeah. I even I had a meeting with them and I was like, listen, because that's and I because it hit me again. It hit me earlier this year, but mm-hmm. then it hit me again because I there's different. Like I said, I have different reasons behind my addiction or whatever. And a lot of it was the fact finances to be real. You know what I mean? I don't mind, you know, whatever I was put in a position at a very young age to depend on a man. Oh and yeah. Like the white the knight best. coming to save me. Yeah. Like, you know, cause my mom couldn't do it or whatever. So at, by the time I'm graduating high school, I got guys buying my school clothes and stuff sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. So I became that person where like I that's what I do so now that I um, I'm divorced and we're separated and all that other stuff and I'm by myself I found myself in for one another situation that someone was taking care of me and I'm like I want out of this cycle but my first thought was what I knew and I made it only fans in the midst of me trying to make this podcast show and I was like all right, guys, I'm going to do it only fans. But I, I'm like, I have my daughters to think about. I have myself to think about right now. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know any other way because this is what I'm used to. You know what I right. mean? And it's sad to say, but I don't mind admitting it. That's my truth. And it hit me again because I just knew inside it just wasn't right because that's a part of something I'm trying to get rid of. So like yeah. you said, the flirting and all that. Like, so now I'm exposing myself in a way that this isn't truly comfortable with me I can make it look like that all day long like this is I oh, am that no, girl that I'm that hot girl is, yeah. yeah like I'm I'm the sex you know whatever and I'm like but that's not I had to do that for survival I had to do that yeah for that's survival. a mask that's like a yes. mask you had to put on to and, survive this world and it's and not I want, working anymore I, I told him I'm like I need to redesign everything I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not, I'm not promoting that anymore. And, and, and I even talked about it with my kids when I started the OnlyFans. Those yeah. are, I, I, I'm very real with my own children. You know what I mean? I don't even play with them. They have to deal with that when they go to school or talk to their friends. So I needed to talk to them about that. Mm-hmm. And even though they, in their own minds, because they're on social media and they know what the hell is going on these days, they were like, okay, whatever. But still, it just wasn't good enough for me. I'm like, even in the sense of being real with my own children, it's still, I, I'm like, no, this is not, I have to get rid of this shit, like, completely out of me. And I don't want to be looked at like that now. How you know? can you give away your sexuality if you don't even own it yourself? Ooh, That's the thing. It's exactly. like. That's a bar. That's a bar. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. I can't do that either. And That's there was a, a thing, there was a moment I mm-hmm. was doing a movie out of town and there was like a, a sex scene. It wasn't like horrible, but right. I was, it was like my second year in the program. I was just getting like my sea legs and like, oh, this is how my new life is. And I remember being on set and I had to do this like sex scene. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't really want to do it. You, like you this it. doesn't feel right. Like it, it, it's almost like makes you sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I get it. Yeah. It's like it doesn't work anymore. No. I can't. I can't turn. I can't and I used shut to be down. So friendly in the DMs. That's why, I like, I know exactly what you're saying. Friendly, and I don't even want to. And I just do it. It's like so natural. Now I'm like, and and people you're don't like, even understand Ew. how serious it is. But I'm like literally stopping myself from answering someone. I'm like, don't look at it. Don't even look at it anymore. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like the it's, little the little angel on your shoulder being like, toy, toy. Don't do it. Walk away. Walk <laughs> away. Coming out of that. Turn it off. Like thing, but it, it was fine. It just hit me, and I'm like, everything must go. <laughs> everything must go. <laughs> everything, anything that can attach me to that, I gotta get rid of it. 
Yeah. Spe- speaking so. of being attached to things. So I know, Brianne, you said you have, you got a tattoo in your foot that says just be. Right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you have spoke about, I heard you men- make a statement where you said usually when somebody's career is skyrocketing, something else isn't good, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you being as driven as you are, you even spoke like you've admitted that you're so driven, no matter what you accomplish at times, you feel like it's never enough. So I'm wondering, yeah. like, how do you juggle that juxtaposition, right? To be somebody that no matter what I do, it's never enough. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you want to live truth to your, your tattoo that says just be. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you juggle that? You know what I'm saying? Especially in, in the field like like you in. OK, two things. Everything now I do is not for my ego. It's to carry the message. It's to entertain. It's to like, if I take a job, I'm there to be of service, to be one of many. Like, it's not about me. That's the first thing. And it's gratitude. It's, Mm, it's gratitude. That is the only thing that gets your feet right where you are. And it's Mm, like mm, mm. gratitude. Yes. So that is what has helped me stay driven because I'm just a driven person. I'm juggling tons of stuff, but I also know like it's gratitude what I have right now. Mm -hmm. Like, is it, is this is my life is beautiful. Mm -hmm. If I get more, that's great. If I Mm -hmm. don't, that's okay too. Can I Mm -hmm. live in what is now? Can you believe that's, digest in this moment before you could take in the next one you know like make that decision yeah is gratitude because i had to understand that bitch you're tripping like yeah i too um you mean like what did you need again why are you doing it (laughs) i had to be honest like for real like there's some really like i had to be really like okay it wasn't the best or my own like i just made all this money on my own and i'm so successful no it's not but I'm okay. My bills are paid. I have a car. My kids are okay. We have what we need. There's like nothing I need. Now there's a whole bunch of shit I want, but I got everything I need. And that was the, I swear. I Well, I had a bunch of shit that I wanted and I wasn't happy. And I had, and I think the big thing with being in Los Angeles, with Mm -hmm. being in the 12 step world, which a lot of actors, a lot of big people are, you know, you're sitting in a room in a plastic chair in a circle with 80 other people. You look next to you. It's a huge celebrity that's on their knees crying, like miserable. And I'm the one that gets to help them and say, yeah, "Yeah." like you're going to be okay, but you Mm -hmm. have to like go away from whatever you're doing, get away from the porn, get away from the prostitutes, get away from that girl that keeps cheating on you and I get to be of service to them. So it's like a constant reminder to me that you could have everything in the world and still have nothing. I've been saying that for so long. I'm like, listen, it doesn't matter what you got. How we you all got. die. We're all put in the dirt together. We're all put in the dirt. <laughs> and there, like I said, there's people going through it in a mansion or living in a box. It yeah. don't matter. We are like too much of the same. And I think it's just, I'm telling you, that's the point of the show. Like, let's get Mm -hmm. real. Let's be, let's really tell the truth. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's cute and all like to have this or look like that or whatever, but let's, let's talk about what's really going on with us and start healing. You know, you spoke of not feeling that you could afford therapy. And then like, 
out of nowhere, I think you said like a week or two beforehand, that's a, that was a feeling. And then you find yourself being able to go twice a week. Yeah. Um, for almost four years, I went yeah. a lot. Could, yeah. could you could you differentiate sex addiction and love addiction? The reason I'm asking that is because yeah, that's you hear you hear more you hear more men say they have a sex addiction and more women Correct. say maybe they have they a love, have a love addiction, addiction, right? But yeah, then you look yeah. at our situations where it's a swap where y'all, you know, you have sex and love, right? Toya spoke on a sex addiction and I spoke and on And you're the first addiction. time I heard love addiction, Alex. Yeah. I wanted to tell you that. So I, I honestly feel like people don't know the difference between the two. If you wouldn't mind yeah. just kind of differentiating that for someone who may be kind of thinking as they're watching this, wow, I think I might be an addict, but I'm not sure exactly which one. Well, the first thing I want to, if anybody's listening or watching, there's there's a self-diagnosis. You can go online right now. It's SLAA, go 40 questions, self-diagnosis. You, got you. SLAA, self-diagnosis mm-hmm. quiz. It's 40 questions. And it takes you through all the things. And I'm not going to tell you my number. It's in the book. So you'll have to get the book to find out. But it's a good number. Um, But so there's that would help you. The difference Mm -hmm. between sex and love addiction. First, they do say men will admit to having a sex addiction more than a love addiction. Mm -hmm. And women are, you know, love addiction, but not sex addiction. But really, you know, sex addiction is like using masturbation to not connect, using, uh, using porn, um, sleeping with unavailable people, having multiple partners, um, you know, all that. And I have to tell you it's 50, 50, it used to be, you know, women were more love addicts, but now I go to a meeting and a man says like, I'm addicted to this girl that doesn't want me and I cannot let her go kind of thing. And here's a a moment like that happened at my two years. Um, a guy came in and he said, I, could quit heroin, but I could not quit her. Whoa. And that was like such like a mirror, like, wow, this is like more people die from sex and love addiction than any other addiction. More people are in jail. I've spoke at- You spoke with women in prison. Yeah, I went to the, down to LA County. I spoke at the the women's prison correctional. I went every Saturday. I held a meeting for 20, 25 women in there and every single woman in jail was in for sex and love addiction. She either sold drugs for her man, killed someone for her man, killed the other girl that was with her man. Like, wow. It's deadly. People kill over like that. Oh yeah. I, it is no crimes are happening. No people Mm -hmm. are addicted, Mm -hmm. addicted. And then if you look at the love addiction side, it's like that person, like you can't let go of a relationship. You pick unavailable people wanting them to love you. You fantasize and intrigue with people. You flirt wanting them to like fill this need that like they're going to come and save you. It's like living in the movies kind of situation mm-hmm. and a lot of sex and love addicts, in love with the process of falling in love even oh my god that's like I would my probably favorite have high in the whole world i love falling in love that's like the mm-hmm. best high in yeah, the world so when you say somebody <laughs> you like, i like you to the point i hate it <laughs> you spoke of that where it's like somebody could be you know they have like an obsession with getting love from someone even though they may be emotionally unavailable right yeah could that also mean it doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that you're involved with from a sexual standpoint. It could be like someone wanting love from a family member. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, it really always starts with their family members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because some women may be having a love addiction because 
they trying to get that love from their pops and the pops is unavailable exactly. or vice versa. And it's just like, they just- and I've met a lot of men, including my ex-husband, just from their mothers, from, it started from their mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can have like an emotional incest with your mom where your mom's like smothered you your whole life. And or opposite. You, it was yeah, or not being him, there. Where mm-hmm. he, it was like, uh, it was more of a friendship than a mother, like, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like always looking for that Cause that's how he also, also not only that he's sleeping with everybody, but you know, he also, when he has his person that he chooses, cause he always chooses to be in a relationship though at the same time, they have to be everything to him. Mother, girlfriend, freak, all that. It's like, you know what I mean? So, so he had like one main relationship and then had all a bunch his of- life. That's how he does it. Oh yeah, that was me. Outsource. Him and I are the same. Yeah, that's how he does it. <laughs> He wants a relationship. Yeah, I gotta have yeah. that for sure. Like, yeah, you gotta yeah. have that stable relationship, sure. and then but you can has, go and have your cake. You know, all every week. Yeah, it's it was so it was out of control. And yeah. you cannot fix anyone like that. No, you can't. And 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 I mean, not even realizing though, because like I'm sitting there trying to help him, but it took to, for us to divorce and like me be out on my own for a year, and I'm like, I got that problem. Mm-hmm. first I was like trying to blame it on him bitch you rubbed that off on me no there's two people no but usually there's two my, people I had to be honest about my past before him and that's yeah, when yeah. I realized like you it's a lot deeper because see I, mind you I went so many years not even admitting to my childhood so yeah. I went my whole life not admitting yeah. to my childhood so anything that would come up I can blame it on I would so that's why I was like yeah, yeah you rubbed off on me it was you yeah you Speaking know. of cake, because you, you said you said cake, Brianne, you made me think of something I heard you say uh, you dealt with uh, anorexia when you were younger. And mm-hmm. I think you said that even sometimes now you have a cake and you feel like, oh, I got to go work out because um, yeah. it's a lot of people who deal with that, with yeah. um, being anorexic, whether they're in the industry or not whether they have to be in a camera in front of a camera or not. Um, yeah. Could you just speak to when some, just for somebody who may be struggling with it, but they don't even realize that they're struggling with it, speak to some of the thoughts that may creep in your mind and that lets you know, you might want to get some help with that. Well, I feel like, you know, with the, any eating stuff or shopping stuff or gambling or, you know, people go on a line. It's like, we do these things to get outside of how we're feeling. So say if I have a, like a piece of cake, the immediate thought is like, I shouldn't have had that cake. I'm going to like, my jeans aren't going to fit. Like I'm worthless. Like no one's going to love me. It all stems to the same thing. It's, it's crazy. The addict mind can do, but that's abusive. It is abusive to do to yourself. Like you cannot have a piece of cake you then abuse yourself and like are hard on yourself. So I just got to a place where I was like, enough is enough. And I tell my addict voice, like, you cannot do this to me anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. Like I'm done. And it was crazy. You guys, I, I'm about to get my 11 year chip in sex and love addiction, which in itself, thank you very much. It's December coming up is a huge deal. If you ask anybody, it's like the, the PhD of all the addictions because it mm-hmm. lies underneath drinking, gambling, all that. drugs, blah, 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 okay. right? That like abandonment, worthlessness. And they say, I always like to say this, like, you know, AA is like the last house on the block. Slaw is like the shack in the back no one wants to go to. Like it's the place you do not want to say <laughs> right, that right. you are a member of. Mm-hmm. But I have America to America make us ashamed of it. It does. I mean, we don't like to say that we have 
problems and have flaws. And it's like, I'm here to say, listen, I have flaws. I have a voice in my head, which happened a couple of nights ago where I'm not kidding. It hasn't happened for like 10 years where the voice, I woke up at 3am and the voice in my head kept going, you're a loser. You're a loser. You're a loser. And I heard it and it was like pounding. And I have never heard it that clearly before. And I just was like, I was like going through the cycle of like letting me like go into it. And I was like, no. So my husband was like, what's the matter? And we sat for like 30 minutes. And I said, my, this voice won't stop. Like, I know it's not real, but it's like, it's trying to kill me. Like this voice. And I had to like turn it over. Yeah. And I feel like we all have those voices. And if you're using something, if you're using somebody, that voice is usually underneath. So if you're struggling, if you're struggling, like with the way you look in the mirror or your jeans being tight or that guy not loving you or, you know, someone giving you too much love, it's like, we have to get to a place where we are okay, just as we are. Because I even go through that with the food thing. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And men do too. I mean, the podcast I have this week on Secret Life, it was so beautiful. If you haven't listened to it, it's Bo's story. It's a a man talking about his vanity, his perfectionist, his obsession with his body, his hair. You know, it was so nice to hear a man say, I obsess about these things and want to be perfect because inside I feel feel like I'm nothing. I've met men like that. I love it. And I, I love, but someone giving a voice to it and saying, yeah, I do these things and I don't want to be trapped by right. my vanity. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He, he was free. He told my suck. He was talking about sucking his stomach in and all kind of stuff. Oh, he was, just, yeah. he was, he was yeah. real open. It's tough, yeah. man. It runs deep. Yeah. yeah. We, you, you got a chapter in your book coming up. Um, yeah. The secret life of a Hollywood sex and love addict. Did I get the title yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. You got a chapter about adulting. Mm-hmm. Adulting up, adulting yeah, what, what, up. Yeah, what's, what's, what's... Well, it's just to the thing where we have to adult up, like, like you were talking about wanting someone to take care of you, yeah. not wanting to pay the bills, or yes. pick yeah. up the dog poop, like no one wants to do these things. And it's like, I need to adult up. I am not a child anymore. I cannot act like a child. And I go through the whole chapter saying of ways I don't adult up and take responsibility for my actions, my behaviors. And then it's like stepping into your truth as an adult. adult. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My dog took offense with my dog. He he was right here to the right of me and somebody just came in the house and he walked out and we said something about picking up the dog poop. He must've heard you. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what? I didn't do nothing. <laughs> yeah, right he, 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 it's so crazy. He heard somebody at the door, but it was it was right when he says about the dog poop. Yeah. You know, he's but like, that that's a that's a good one, and yeah. that's I think that needs to be talked about like in the beginning of things too, as well, because everybody for someone to get told that like being a doll, you're like, oh shit, yeah, you're right, damn, like, <laughs> gut check. like gut check. damn, you're right, yeah, dude, that that's that, that's what comes with it. And like it's even bad. Like even my daughter is like, it's just us girls. So like they'll be like, we need a guy here so someone can take the trash out. I'm like, no, we're good. No, we're you good. pick That's up fine. that trash yourself and take it out yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but well, I, you know, thing, it's, just, I, we, it's learned, you know. That's just not by society. It's yeah, learned. Well, I get it. Together all those years, do it, you know. So they just they think that's just what it. Nah, nah. So it's my yeah. responsibility now to teach them what I learn, you know. 
you, you, you got a project coming out called Dead Water. Um, yeah. And I wonder, did, 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 did moving to California from Atlanta and just the entertainment industry as a whole, mm-hmm. do you feel that played a part in triggering anything, any, any trauma that maybe you had even before getting out there, any insecurities? And does that affect the roles that you take? Because mm-hmm. it, the way I'm looking at it with Dead Water, right? As I'm looking at that, I'm like, okay, I don't feel like there's too much of a romance mm-hmm. element to it when it comes to your character. Does what you have went through in, in Hollywood and all this as a whole, do you think Hollywood is playing a part in a lot of that? And does it affect how you approach your career now? Well, I have to say, you know, TV and film, I was a latchkey kid growing up. So I went into fantasy with TV and film. That was like mm-hmm. my family. My parents, one of them was working. One of them was not there. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely at a young age watched too many movies that weren't appropriate. Like I talk about in the book, I watched Romeo and Juliet Mm -hmm. and I saw this, you know, the main character's ass in the movie. And I was like, Ooh, that's a nice ass. Even at age four. You saw basic instinct when you was a little girl. I'm sure I I've seen everything like, but at a very young age, I saw things that were not appropriate for me. And so like Romeo and Juliet, for example, is, one of the reasons I became an actress because it it sh- for me that like was what a real passionate relationship. Someone has to have a really nice ass, and then both people have to die at the end. Like they love each other so much, they either have right. to stab each other or drink yeah. poison. <laughs> right. So I already didn't have a great stable yeah. internal self when I went mm-hmm. to Hollywood at 19 years old, but. I think the business allowed me to put on different masks so I could be uh, other people. Yeah. For me, when right. I watch Dead Water or, you know, all the movies or shows I've been in, I don't see me. I'm so detached from mm. it. But I do think it amplified the rejection the abandonment, the always looking for something outside of myself to fix myself, really? looking for the next role that makes me feel alive. Oh, okay. And okay. it got to a point where I said, like, I cannot pick roles that I don't feel comfortable with. I don't want to play sexy roles anymore. And it really started when I got six, um, the show on history and A&E where, you know, it no clothes came off. I didn't play the sexy girl. I yeah. barely had not any makeup on. My voice was changed, like yeah. all this stuff. So, you know, that's my path and it's what has led me, but I wouldn't change it for anything, but I definitely think coming to Hollywood amplified my addiction, but then it got me to a place where there's like 10 to 15 meetings a day for my addiction and I'm with such a community I love and there's so much healing here so you know being it probably took it to be amplified because yeah um, yeah you know what I mean for you to get pushed to get better sometimes you hit the bottom to get better there's always darkness before the light and that Mm. if you're struggling out there in a relationship right anything it's gonna get so fucking dark sorry yes but if it's gonna get so dark where you have to change yes that's where like it, the light you can't go in. up until you reach the bottom anyways that's oh. how it works i don't care what anybody says and just like when, back to you were saying alex when you were saying like how you try not to put yourself in those positions 
to mm-hmm. feel like, you know, to, you know, maybe be tempted with something or whatever. And mm-hmm. I find that to be true because there's, there's a lot of things I'm not going to do or put myself in. So I don't do so. Cause like I was talking to Alex before, I I've never cheated before. That's one thing I haven't done. I, when I'm in a relationship, I'm like, I'll give you my all. I'm gonna give you my all. So there's none, nothing of me anymore because now you're taking care of me. So I feel like I owe you, I owe you my life because you're, you're taking care of me first of all. But at the same time, it's those, like when you're, you're coming out of it, it's those things that where I did run into a situation and I could have chose the worst decision, but I chose the best is when I really feel like I'm accomplishing things, not always staying away from them. You know what I mean? It's actually being faced with it and like, and not falling into it is where I like finally like, okay, yeah, you getting somewhere. Now I know I'm getting somewhere. Well, I you think know? that's God's giving you like, it, okay, here's a moment I, I like to speak about. I was getting my six, six month chip and I was driving over the 405 and I got this text from like an old guy I used to intrigue with. And it was like, said something stupid, like yeah, target thinking of you. Like it was so stupid. Yeah. And it was like, God's was yeah. testing me to see if I would do different. And I was like, I'm going to go and get that little plastic chip. That means more to me than texting back this person that I really don't care about. So I feel like you first have to withdraw yourself. For sure. Any inch, for sure. any situation. You like, can't test yourself all because it's the first no, week. You not do you it. You have to learn no. new tools. So if Hell you no. are struggling out there, like you can't do different if you don't know different. So mm. go there to you, therapy. There you go. There you go. Go to a 12 step program. Yeah. Find some new tools. Right. So that when you're faced with these things again and you accidentally come up against them, you can yeah. do different. And very much, and I think that's what I was trying to say. To it's after the fact of already, you know, yeah. working on it and finding those things and finding myself that where I could feel like accomplished later, not in the beginning at all. Like I don't suggest that. No, but don't ever tempt yourself when you just no, stay out. away. Stay away stay from the club. Stay away, away from. Instagram, stay away from the DMs, turn that yeah, shit off, stimuli. turn the calm. Any of that stuff is just going to take you down. Yeah. For real. I have to ask Fast. this. I'm not a female, but I've heard about, <laughs> but I've heard about women dealing with postpartum yeah. and you admitted that you dealt with that. I think you said for like, it took a couple of years before you felt like you was in your own body. Right. Right. This, just listening to you, especially the things you were just speaking of. Do you think your sex and love addiction and, and, and certain stimuli, did that, did that have something to do with your postpartum? Probably not. I mean, I think when you have children, chemicals are released and taken from you to create okay. that child. So you just don't, especially if you're breastfeeding and doing all that, you yeah. don't have that part of you anymore. And it takes years to come back. Right. So I don't think, but I do have to tell you, I am a better mother because I'm a grateful sex and love addict. Like I don't use my son to film me. He doesn't say, mommy, what's wrong? Like, yeah, I don't try to fix my son when he's having feelings like yeah. being a grateful sex and love addict with how much recovery I have makes me such a good mom. And okay. that to me, just like, I am so grateful Right. Just for that. Like, I'm not carrying on the things my parents did to me exactly. and their parents did to them. And like, exactly. that's the best gift. Like, and if I'm I doing help that in son, my own way too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know the best way. And I don't think any of us really do. 
but I, I do take a lot of the things that I didn't get or I, you know, dig it and I don't give and or I'll give, you know what I mean, to my children for sure. But I, I can. Understand. So it's a thing. So pretty much it's, it's, a, it's a time where we can kind of we can over coddle. Is that kind of what I'm hearing from hearing from y'all? Yeah, I don't yeah. over coddle my child. If he's like having a meltdown, I don't try to fix his feelings. I don't try. You know, I say, have your feelings. If you need a hug, come and give me a hug. He also doesn't run the house. I, as a child, feel like I ran my house. Like, yeah. It was all about oh. like me and, and he is, he does not run the house. He does not govern my husband and I, you know, right. like I think carrying on those things. I also don't use him to make mommy feel better at all. Like, that was so it's women doing that. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Is that like, is that like, is that like, is that what we have with some women? All I need is my kids. Like, is that what some women say? Like, you're toxic. Is that the thing where you got some women that'll say like, I don't need a man. The only man in my life is, and they'll put up a picture of their son on Valentine's Day. Toxic. No, because the son, that's so much responsibility for a child. For a child. A child should not complete a parent's life. Absolutely not. And And my child, I don't own my Uh -uh. child. He is not mine anymore. I gave birth to him, but he- he is his own person. Yes. And I feel like if I didn't get healthy for myself, if I had a child I'd have been like, I, you do what I say. I, I gave birth to you, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I'm yeah. like, I'm in charge. And it's like, he is his own person. He doesn't dictate. He is a part of the family. He doesn't, he's not entitled to everything he can, you know? So I just yeah. feel like just doing this work on myself and getting better for myself is carrying down to my child. See, now I didn't, and I'm, and I have to be honest, I didn't realize, I know it's, it's, it's a not to do like spoil your kids and all that. I know that's like not the best thing to do, but Mm-mm. my youngest, yeah, I got that problem. So now you, now I got something else. Now you got to <laughs> figure that out. <laughs> I'm like, damn, so you said, I was like, oh shit. Cause I definitely have a mayor president and all kind of shit with this one. And she, <laughs> It, it and I and I do I try to like because I I'm, I'm looking at myself sometimes like you're dead ass wrong like this is not how you're supposed to do this with her you know what I'm saying but I guess I just really never heard like me hearing it from you and hearing it from the outside you know someone else and like like okay yeah then I need to go ahead because you almost don't sometimes know if it's okay like you know, like not to be that way with them and all that. I don't know, you know, like, I, cause I guess because I didn't, so I didn't get that. So I, it's like, and she's my youngest. And so we I, overcompensate you. We uh, can't overcompensate for what yeah. we lacked yeah. and being the youngest. It's like, you are not being of service to that child. That right. child is going to believe that everything is entitled to them. When and that's, I'm already that is trying so to work deadly. on it, but it's going to make me work harder hearing this, like, oh, good. seriously, for real. And and me too, like, for me, it's not even my, just my childhood. It's the fact that they have different fathers and mm-hmm. they're two of their father, two, I have three fathers total. Um, One of them I have two children with mm-hmm. and two of them in prison. And one just got out of doing federal prison for 10 years. So yeah, my thing is like, I'm overcompensating for picking the wrong men. Yeah, and now you, you guys that. are like going without fathers because of me. So that's me. It's not even my childhood. It's like, 
you know, I it was, well, it was, that's, I, that's, I'm like, it wasn't so the wrong man. It's, it's, it's the man God, but it's, it's something. Yeah. It's something in there. So now, so like my ex husband you know. ends up in prison, and now they're the father that at least was in the home, and we, you know, we got married, and not, everything wasn't perfect, but he was a great father and great guy. That was their like last hope too, and he's even gone. So it's like ever since he's been gone, I'm like overcompensating. Yeah, you can't overcompensate. Yeah. You know, you can you can yeah. have a I conversation like and say this suck. is. Yeah, really hard right now. You know, your dads yeah. are not here. Like yeah. I, yeah. it's the guilt. It's the mother guilt. Yeah. Like you cannot lean into that because our goal as parents is to create ch- children that are not entitled, not self-seeking, that are yeah. giving to others, but are also strong enough to stand on their own and can do their right. own laundry. My child can do his laundry and he's two and a half. They definitely like, can do that. She, The yeah. youngest is really the like most handicapped one, but She's like, they usually getting, are. <laughs> yeah. She's just getting into her age though, too, that she can really do things anyways that I can like teach her and stuff. I'm just you know? telling you from, so, I was the youngest and yeah. it is, a, you do not want a child. I don't think she's, everything is a re- revolved around them because you her, don't want her to like be suffering like I have. Her you know? attitude mm-hmm. already. That's what I didn't even have to really need anyone to tell me. Like I did need this push this this conversation oh good I'm so glad that like first like I could see it because just how she is and I'm like ew you're gonna be an adult like that you're gonna be out of control you know because they are adult they're like they're growing they don't get smaller you know what I'm saying so they're about that's how I always look at my kids like you guys are about to be adults like I'd be Mm -hmm. damned if I don't prepare you and but that I I really with that one like she's six and tall and I'm still like baby like ugh, it's gross <laughs> and I'm like I'm trying to stop I'm like I gotta get out of this shit you know what I'm saying so yeah it's, it's tough but I bet I work on it because I can't I don't, I don't want her to suffer yeah. I don't I see her now and I'm like girl we gotta get this together seriously this you should read that hard book life. you should read the life. book yeah um, I will emotional for sure. incest with children yeah I know it talks it about first. that it's like, like emotional, every emotional incest. Yeah, I'll send you uh-huh. shoot you guys over so you can like put it in the link. But For this sure. book, every parent, every person that wants to become a parent should read this. Should book. read that. Wow. Mm-hmm. When you said it, I was like, that's such a deep title. I was like, yeah. oh God. Yeah, it kind of rubs you the wrong way a little bit. Yeah. Like, but it's incest. it's deep though. It's yeah. not even like it's not even, you know, I'm not shallow like that. I understood like that needs to be talked about. Yeah, that's a real thing, you know. Yeah. So, sure. so we, we thank you so much. Yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> your time, uh, being like, you know, we more than grateful for how much that you were comfortable with, mm-hmm. with sharing with us because yes. you didn't have to share as much yes. as you did. Um, something that we ask everybody to do here on Pretty Lies and Ugly Truths before they get out of here, as I'm sure you know, they say we are the sum of the five people that we are around or communicate with the most. So mm-hmm. If you wouldn't mind shouting out the five people who are responsible for for what we are seeing from Brianne Davis Gant. Okay, well, I would say my husband, Mark Gant, he has made me a better person. Um, Other people, I would say my sponsor, I cannot say his name, but Mm -hmm. he has made me, he calls me on my crap more than anybody else. I'll literally call him and say, ah, and I'll be like, oh, poor Brianne, life is so hard. Like he (laughs) puts me in my place. You know, my sponsees, I have five Mm -hmm. sponsees that keep me in check every day. I'm of service to them where it's not about me. 
Um, another person was my first sponsor. She gave me seven years of her life and took me through the hardest times. I had 176 people on my resentment list. She's Mm. made me a better person. And, you know, my sister, she's like my rock. She's my soul sister. So she also, you know, I can turn to her when things are ugly and I'm never judged. What's a resentment list? I heard you say resentment list. (laughs) I heard that. But I, 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 I got something in my mind on what I think it is, but yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, it's so I'll leave you with this. It's step four. You have a resentment list. You you write all the people you have resentments of, and then it takes you through this process where you see like this person did this to me, and then when you get to the other side of the page, you see that everything you did to them has you probably you know, we're, we're a part of, and you get to see your character defects, which are, you know, perfectionists. We talked about compare and despair, jealousy and envy, mm-hmm. um, narcissism, egotism, all that stuff that all those isms. So you get to see on my list, I had 70, 176 people. So it's, you see the role you play in. Yeah. Took me two years, two Ooh. years to go through that. You read it to somebody else. So you read it to your sponsor or someone you trust and you get to see like your part, like what really comes out is you're repeating the same thing over and over again with different people in your life. And I I threw the book down one time and I said, I I am just reading the same thing over and over again. They're like, that's the point. Like you just put a bag over someone's head and, and, and played the same thing over and over wow. and over again. And it was such a powerful thing to do. That so. is, I got chills. Jeez. So join, come join the program right. or, you know, it's, <laughs> right. it's such a beautiful way to live. And I do want to say this. Yeah. I know we're getting off. I would not trade my life for anybody's life now. For sure. I would not trade the pain that has come out of me during the last 11 years because it's gone. I'm not carrying trauma. I'm not carrying, you know, self-hate anymore. Mm. And that is, it's so freeing to live like that. It is. Definitely is. It's been great to have you. You are awesome. Thank you so much. One thing you could do, which no such thing as a shameless plug here. Pretty lies oh, yeah. true. So you could take, you can end it with shouting out anything that you want to shout out that you got going on where people can, you know, invest in your brand as a whole, whether it be from acting to now being an author. Yeah. Add that to it. So shout out hashtags at signs.coms, whatever you can take it away. Okay. So at the Brianne Davis, that's my Instagram. I will, respond. If you ask me questions, if you need help, you can also go to secret life podcast. Uh, that's my podcast. It's called secret life. You can hear it anywhere. You hear podcasts. We get just got accepted to Pandora, which is amazing. Um, yeah. And you know, you can reach out to me at secret life podcast at iCloud.com. If you want to come on the show, we can change your name. I have a lot of people I don't know talk about anything, eating, suicide, anything Mm -hmm. at all, please reach out to me. And then also, you know, I have the books coming out secret life podcast of a Hollywood sex and our secret life of a Hollywood sex and love addict. And it's going to come out. And it's just telling you guys first is February 14th on Valentine's Valentine's day. Day. And my birthday is February 10th. So I'm definitely getting it. Oh my God. It's (laughs) going to be my birthday. (laughs) 
for myself. Yeah. And then I have a movie coming out. I don't know the title yet. And, you know, a bunch of stuff. Just yeah. pipelines, just plugging along. Stay gotcha. tuned. That's what's up. That's what's up. All right. Well, anybody that's listening, you know, make sure you go lock yeah. in with everything she got going on. It's, it's right. obviously value. Everything you gave us, I almost feel like we owe you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bill. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you guys. Right. Drunk I hate so pretty like